Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Potential Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. And at any time, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com slash potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Potential Podcast with me, your host, Taylor Sokol, and as always, my co-host and comedic foil, Mr. Chris Dewar. (laughs) Tin foil. I don't know what that means, but I like it. Uh, well, <laughs> how have you been, Chris? How's everything going? Going pretty swell over here in California. Uh, luckily, the fires have started to die down a bit, um, at least good. here in Southern California. We're starting to see blue skies again, and we are starting to see a little bit of a drop in the weather as well. We're not having as crazy sunny, hot days 
Um, still some days in the 90s, but we're not reaching like that one weekend was like 114 both days. So yeah, I'm very excited a- for the fall weather. I went out this morning for a nice little walk and it was like 64 degrees this morning. So I was like, perfect. Just keep getting it cooler. That's that's my perfect kind of weather. That and over here, fall. we're starting to already get into that. It was uh, it was a sad day. It was as a my tomato plants are slowly dying off. So oh like, no, have a do. But you know what? I got a good use out of them though. So it's yeah. By the uh, before you know it, I mean fall is upon us here, and it's it's nice though. I look forward to the to the cooler weather, especially when it's so blistering hot. But we're trying to make the most of still enjoying being outside because that's. I love just being outside watching. What well, uh, gonna make it easier to, you know, I think something about fall is it's it's really easy to go out, but you just have an extra layer on and, you know, or jeans and you can still enjoy so much of nature, but you get that bit of a cool breeze. It's not, it's not to the point you're like, I'm going to start sweating any second. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited you. for the yeah. Halloween season coming up. And yeah, I think, I think we're going we're gonna to feature some fun episodes uh, on the Halloween holiday coming I think up. we're going to take advantage as being our inaugural season and I think that you and I we going to have some surprises for all you fans out there especially as always follow our follow Instagram and uh, Facebook because we always like to post fun stuff there and I think we're going to have a couple surprises we want to we just kind of tease you a little teaser there uh random fact though I have to tell you this I thought this was cool as I told you I've been doing all this letter writing and such mm-hmm. and a recipient of some of that yes. work but the oldest uh, postcard was finally delivered. Uh, delivered. It was dated 1920. Wow. Okay. Postmark was, fa- it was uh, dated October 20, 1920. I started this in the news. And a green save of George Washington priced at one cent. And it was written in cursive. And it was, um, it was addressed to a, uh, a Roy McQueen or Mrs. Roy McQueen in Belding, Michigan. The person who got it was just baffled. But I thought that was like too crazy that finally this postcard that was d- like over a century ago. <laughs> you know that's just imagine it was like urgent (laughs) well well i guess we missed the boat (laughs) so i thought someone's behind me someone's chasing me and (laughs) (laughs) but it it just it just made me laugh but uh, speaking of laughter you know we're pretty we're well we're we're still in this pandemic we're in a strange time and i think something that a lot of people attach to is comedy comedy is something that heals the soul you know they say laughter is the best medicine here it is. Well, there's just, there's just, you know, I think if there's two nations that I think really have had the kind of capital on comedy in terms of films, TV shows, and stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. is uh, we have the USA, of course, and then the United Nations of UK, uh, with uh, you know those uh, England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to do somewhat of a it's kind of like a battle but not it's i think more of a celebration of no was hard recording (laughs) u.s and uk comedy and what what makes them different but also what they both borrow from and what they both kind of relate to yeah we thought it'd be fun to have a special guest today who was our special guest taylor Absolutely. Well, this guest, uh, as a, a lot of our guests, you'll notice we have, we met through our travels. Today's guest, of course, we can't have a UK uh, versus US talk without having the other half of the talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, our guest today is a gentleman I've known um, about the amount of time I've known you. I met him on cruise ships over seven years ago, uh, actually almost eight years coming up now. And uh, he's had a longstanding career traveling on ships uh, through working in um, art, um, 
DJing and of course uh, cruise directing. And uh, today's gentleman is all the way from Wales. He's right now stationed in New York, Eddie Jenkins. And uh, I, he's been actually a follower of the podcast for a bit. And I was really excited to have him on and, and see if he wanted to do this. And of course, uh, I said, when would you do this? And he said, no, how about $50? No. And I said, what about hundred? <laughs> Whatever. So it was worth it. But we're really excited to have him today uh, personally and uh, uh, professionally, even though we're not paid for this. So <laughs> we're excited to Very have him. Very nice. Our- so yeah, let's uh, go ahead and pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get to our chat with Sir Eddie. Yes, so here we are. Very excited. Uh, I'm more excited, I think, in general because of this guest today. Uh, This gentleman, I met him years ago at the start of my cruise experience and cruise career. And uh, fantastic gentleman. He has uh, had a longstanding career on cruise ships, starting out with the Park West Art Gallery and uh, as an art auctioneer as well as most recently uh, been a cruise director for Celebrity Cruises. I'm very excited to have you today. Please welcome to our show, Eddie Jenkins. Woo, yay me. Not even my family say things like that about me in such a nice way. (laughs) Well, I thought I wanted to give a change of pace. I'm so happy to have you here today because, you know, we've known each other for well over seven years, I think, almost eight years coming up. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I actually got my start as a uh, on the Royal Caribbean ship, the Rhapsody of the Seas, as a DJ. That's that was, right. Uh, mm. Two thousand and seven. So I've been on ships for thirteen years ago. So I don't know what the real world is like anymore. <laughs> and of course, and, 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 and then you get you... to the real world, and now look at the real world. We, it's... I literally got off, and I've been in this room ever since. We don't have any news, so I don't know if we're allowed out at all yet. But I haven't been out in six months, and uh, yeah, we're down to our last roll of toilet paper. So. Uh, it's getting pretty hairy in here. Well, I'm glad that you were able to get some the Wi-Fi to talk with us. I tried reaching out to you many times, and at least the carrier, uh, the carrier yep. pigeon, got there. So no, we were on dial-up. We're very excited. Yeah. <laughs> so no, we were excited because Chris and I obviously are very huge fans of comedy. Mm-hmm. Of course, our comedy stems from being Americans, and of course, a little bit of background for you, Eddie. Where are you from? For our audience here today. I'm from Wales, which is one of the countries that makes up the United Kingdom. So you've got England, you've got Scotland above it, you've got Northern Ireland just over the road and up the way a little bit. And then you've got Wales, which is sort of the country in between uh, England and Ireland and that bit of water. Perfect. And uh, so, you know, we, I thought it was great to, to talk about, obviously, comedy is a huge thing uh, throughout the world. And obviously, different countries have their different takes. But I think one of the most prominent countries of comedy would be, have to be, obviously, the UK and of course, um, US. But of course, you know, with comedy in UK, it's been around probably a lot, definitely a lot longer. Uh, so we were excited to just kind of talk about the roots of, you know, comedy, just the fact that there's such a, a different distinction, even though I think there's definitely a lot of uh, borrowing and influence, heavy influence of one from another. And uh, it was just really excited to kind of get your take on it and talk about this uh, today. So of course, for me, you know, with comedy, my on my side, my family, actually, my grandfather, he was in the Navy. So he moved around a lot with my mom and her sister. And of course, they lived in England for, they actually lived outside of London, Ealings, like during, I guess it would be called uh, primary school. And uh, I guess middle school for us. And so my grandfather's influence, he enjoyed a lot of the comedy of uh, Benny Hill and and Monty Python, it was really cool. And so my comedy was influenced a little bit like that, but I think it's very interesting to see 
um, where everyone's taken it. Uh, you know, what's your, what's your take on how you were introduced uh, to, like, what was your first introduction of like UK comedy and things like that? Well, I, I think that on being on ships for up until only a few years ago, if you talked about comedy, the number one show that uh, people from North America would know would quite often be Benny Hill. They used to mention Benny Hill a lot. And then another show uh, called Keeping Up Appearances seemed to do well in the United States of America, which is um, ab about a lady called Hyacinth uh, Bouquet. Uh, her name was Hyacinth Bucket, but she pronounced it Bouquet. And that was seemed to be a show that seemed to resonate with American people. But for my comedy, this was, you're basically watching what your older uh, siblings are watching, I think in the UK and what your parents want to watch because Back in those days, you know, I'm talking when I was young, just after the war. Um, I mean, <laughs> there was only a few channels, right? You only oh, had, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in of course, yourself. in America for so many years, it was, you know, NBC, ABC and CBS. And of course, in the UK, it was a similar thing with BBC, BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. And then along came Channel Four and eventually uh, Channel Five with Naked Darts and things like that. But... <laughs> So you basically, it was a lot of family things. So for us, it was a lot of those sort of, um, a lot of duos, people like Abbott and Costello, I guess, in the United States of America. In Britain, the equivalent was people like Little and Large, the two Ronnies, Morecambe and Wise, and then sort of uh, big sitcoms as well. So it's, it's basically a lot of family comedy. There wasn't, you know, certainly too much for me growing up. There wasn't anything that was uh, too rude or too naughty, really. Yeah, it was, it was a lot more you know g-rated pg you know, yeah. at the time so and i think that's interesting because where i think the big turning point of comedy uh for that started i guess would have to be uk would have been um monty python i think when that came on the scene and that wasn't really huge when it first started out was it right right monty python did take a bit of time to get going and if i think if you look on netflix um that there's a really good documentary about monty, monty python now and it gives you the etymology and how it all started because you know they were oxford and cambridge boys and they would do these reviews and they would go up to the fringe festival and they were trying to get work and you know the bbc was a funny place and it still is uh, in some ways uh, to this day but if you hung around long enough it seemed that if you're an oxford or cambridge boy you could get through the door and get some work and and the documentary about monty python explains how you know there are people that go even before monty python people like um david frost and spike milligan is a big one i mean a lot of people who know about monty python think that you know monty python copied a lot of things about spike milligan because the idea with monty python it was the cr crazy thing was that they would do a sketch and it was just kind of stop yeah you know, there was no there was no ending <laughs> no cra they were there then they would have this crazy animation and they go and now for something completely different well spike mm. milligan had been doing sort of crazy things like that as well right before them so um i mean but yeah it took a while to get going and that anarchic weird you know slightly naughty sort of uh, humor really took off and really seemed to seem to resonate and it was on quite late you know it wasn't an early show it was on very late at night i think what was the first time that you what was the how old were you do, when you got introduced to monty python was it monty like python to be honest i probably well things like the parrot sketch you know like you know <laughs> Things like he's he ceased to be. He's gone to meet his maker. He's an ex parrot. This is a dead parrot. I did that. I did that sketch in college, uh, for an acting class. Um, but no, that actually, I think for me, my first ever introduction to Monty Python is probably for most people in America is Holy Grail. 
yeah. that tends to be the most popular one, at least here in the state. So the one that most people know, uh, and then probably Life of Brian, and then Meaning of Life, uh, in terms of the films. But uh, my dad and I were huge Monty Python fans, so we kind of have the show on a lot because most of it's on Netflix now, which is fabulous. Uh, but that documentary actually is really really cool because it is it shows a. I think people often think of Monty Python as this, this group of guys who are doing a lot of silly things, but there was a lot more to it than just let's put something together that no one else has done. Cause it was, I think there was some borrowed elements, but they kind of took in their own direction. But I also think it was something that I don't know, maybe you could talk about this previous to Monty Python. Had there been a lot of comedy that was actually like talking about the news of the day and the events of the day and making fun of, you know, they were taking, wax at the at the queen and uh in the parliament and they were actually you know talking about things going on in the time i feel like that was maybe something that wasn't so done before monty python or was it it was no it definitely wasn't done as much i mean the idea was that you bought into the fact that the government was good and they were there to do the right thing and they knew what was best and you didn't know what was best and the queen was there to ride around in a carriage and open hospital awards and, and that sort of thing. So there wasn't that irreverence. I would say that probably came along probably towards the early, very late 70s and early 80s with mm -hmm. a new generation of comics, people like Ben Elton and uh, shows like Spitting Image, which really made fun of, uh, uh, fun of uh, the royal family, uh, the aristocracy and also uh, politicians as well. So, yeah, I mean, the BBC has had a fairly good reputation over the years of sort of poking fun a little bit. You know, with not only shows on TV, but on radio, a lot of good shows on TV have actually come from radio series first and then gone on to TV, you know, um, which has, has been a fertile breeding ground for some great comedy talent in the UK. Well, it's funny that you say kind of like you noticed, I guess, then not too, I guess, to late 70s and 80s that that was starting, I think. With, it's interesting with Saturday Night Live. I think that was one of their big things right off the bat when they were starting. Is they were, you know, there was commenting no, on yeah, there was the there was the day. big yeah. I think that was the big thing that was so different was the you know the daily updates and when they were you know just making fun of like what's going on and, and poking fun. I think as time has passed, it's gotten a lot more um, you know over the hit you right over the head with it. It's not as subtle as maybe it used to be. Um, so, but it's interesting that we there was a lot of <laughs> Um, you know, taking shots at political figures, I think, earlier with the, in the U.S. than it was in the U.K., where it took a lot longer, it seemed like, where that was like, you didn't do that. I think you have to be a bit more broader in, or, or a bit more obvious in your referencing now, because now, because there used to be NBC, ABC, and CBS, and then added Fox, but now they're in 800 channels, so we don't have those, you know, impressionists can't do impressions nowadays, because people either under the age of 40 or over the age of 40 are going, who is that? You know, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, who is Justin Belieber? Who is Taylor Swizzle? And then people under yeah. 40 are going, <laughs> you know, who, who is, you know, you can't do impressions of Johnny Carson or something, you know, now, cause that under 40 year olds are like, who's, who's Johnny, who's Johnny Pearson? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that, exactly. Well, it's like, yeah, I have to say, um, yeah, no, that's very true many, though. There's too many options. Probably a generation, you know, younger than us that probably doesn't even know Monty Python. It doesn't really, you know, what we're seeing like what animal is this on National Geographic? I've never heard of the Monty Python. It's interesting to hear like nowadays. Uh, you know, um, of course we'll talk about it because you know I think both uh, U.S. and U.K. did a very good job of this. But thinking of like The Office is like there's now this 
like new generation learning about at least the American office. And I think because if they look into it and know that, you know, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant obviously created the, the first one in the UK and then they helped mold the one in the States. It's like a whole new generation is getting used to this comedy that's now more than like 10 years old. And it's interesting to see that some things are still clicking but because there's so much content nowadays, it is really hard to focus on, you know, this, these are the things that kind of led the path to where we are today with, you know, we have so many, so many sitcoms, so much, so many standups, there's so much going on nowadays, but that is a good point. I think the Ricky Gervais point is a really good one because the, the British version of The Office and the American version, of course, sort of show in a way how the two genres move in TV circles because the British version was basically only... I think two seasons and the, and a Christmas special. Yeah, it's like, it's like 13 episodes total. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what happens for so long. And I think one of the reasons for that is that in Britain, we just don't have the budget. I mean, America is so big. What, there's 330 million people here. And then they can sell these shows around the world. In Britain, it's a lot harder. And so instead of it being a writer's room of 13 great comedy writers, in Britain, it's usually one or two people sitting in their kitchen with a budget of like 20 grand and that's it. And that's it. And, and it's just other, such a different market. So yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then with, with the United States of America, you can, you, if you've got 12 comedy writers, you can make sure that every, hopefully every season is, has got some real big high points and you can keep it going until it reaches syndication point, which I guess is about 150 episodes and you can really make some coin. Whereas in Britain, it's a lot harder to do that and to sell, those shows around the world and keep those great ideas going. And the other thing is British people, you know, British people like to build them up and go, the office is the greatest thing. I mean, it happened with another show called Little Britain. Do you know Little Britain? Yes. I'm a lady. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I want to go to Florida. <laughs> so you, you had shows like that and everyone's like, Little Britain's the greatest thing ever. And then season three came out and went, rubbish. Why did they do that? That was just, it's just awful. I mean, they're embarrassing. They should just go back to the cupboard where they came from. And everybody was sad with uh, Matt Lucas and his, his writing partner, David Williams, for a while. You know, whereas you don't, I don't, I feel like in America, people want to be entertained and they're like, unless you upset me in some way, shape or form, you know, we're going to keep watching and we're going to stay loyal to this. Where in Britain, after two seasons, we're done. And I think you notice that with, with Gervais, that he only did two seasons, I think, of The Office. And then he did two seasons of Extras. Extras, mm -hmm. And I think it would have happened with his new show, Afterlife. It's just that Netflix have given him some giant bags of cash. And so oh, yeah. Keep, keep, keep going, yeah. Well, and it yeah. actually, it does get then to the point that often what happens with American sitcoms is they really dry out. They, oh, God. It's often a great idea, uh, a great cast. You know, there's that comedy. It's really clicking for maybe four or five, six seasons. And then it really starts to take a turn when it's like, all right, I think we've kind of run through every idea we can. Now we're really stretching it out and it, you know. We talked about this too, Chris and I, and, and I'm sure you've watched this with The Big Bang Theory. I mean, ran over what, 12 seasons? And it was 12 seasons, which after about, I don't know, season like seven or eight, I was kind of like, okay, I, I, I'm kind of <laughs> done with this now. Only because the show was so funny to, you know, us who are, you know, we relate to, we're not maybe as smart as those guys, but as nerds who often enjoy nerd culture and, you know, are trying to get girls and all that stuff. It's just like the comedy was there. And then once he started getting girlfriends and wives, it became more of them becoming just couples. And it wasn't so much about them being nerdy guys getting girls and the show kind of, it kind of switched and it was like, all right, this isn't funny anymore. It's the same with the office. I love the American office. I've watched it many, many times. Once Steve Carell left, 
it kind of doesn't it doesn't hold up the same as it was mm-hmm. and it's I think, the same with like yeah i think i think that probably you could say that about quite a few american shows where they yeah. go a little bit longer than perhaps they could and perhaps they're doing it for the money and can you blame them because it's like the the ultimate pension policy right it's the <coughs> ultimate 401k oh, of course yeah but have either of you got a show that you thought could have gone longer and it got cancelled for whatever reason like a co- good comedy show I can think of one. I can think of one yeah, show. Um, there was a show called Happy Endings. Have you ever seen? Oh yes, it? yes. I, I, I remember seeing a few episodes. Yeah, ran for three seasons. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, you know, it was a, you know, a, a marriage between something like, you know, How I Met Your Mother or Friends or something like that. It was very funny, really great, good writing. I felt it, you know, uh, I just thought it was a brilliant show, and I couldn't believe it ended after three uh, three seasons. If anybody's never seen Happy Endings, I don't know what streaming service you can get it on, but uh, it's definitely worth it. Probably something like Hulu or something. I feel like I read recently they're going to be doing a a benefit, or you know, there's a that's a lot happening right now because of COVID. Is you're having these casts come together and do a script reading, or they're they doing did it, you know, yeah. And I think yeah, Happy Endings did one. They, they did it. They did one for charity. Yeah, yeah. They're also do, talking about doing one. Uh, yeah, I th- well, I think a few of them have done it now. Which, and it was good. It was all for charity. It raised a bit of cash. Uh, it was good. But can you think of anything that you're like, wow, I wish that had gone on longer? I think there was, I'm thinking on the top of my head, there's two, like, I like, I'm a big fan of the sketch comedy shows. I do like those style shows. And I think the problem with that is they're, they're within, this, within the US, there has always been Saturday Night Live. And then that's, then there's everything else. And I think things like, you know, Mad TV were doing their thing, but two of the sketch comedy shows that I think could have ran longer because I really did enjoy them. Um, and some of them were like kind of before my time, but I loved In Living Color uh, with mm-hmm. the, the Waynes Brothers. I thought that was, it was, de- it was set out live, but it was edgy. And I mean, this again gave so many big careers to some great people, of course, like Jim Carrey and things like that. But I also was a huge fan of the Chappelle show. I thought... Uh, you know, I loved it for him to keep going on forever. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just, he's a brilliant mind. And I just saw his stand-up comedy recently, which we, we got to talk about stand-up comedy. But yeah, I think those were two. And I, I don't know what, what the deal was with those, but I think- I think Dave, Dave Chappelle chose to, right? He chose to- He chose to leave, yeah. So he, yeah. He, was, he was offered a lot of money for season three, but uh, they wanted to kind of, the producers wanted to change the show and- make it a little more PC, a little more in and a certain box. And he was like, that, yeah. no, it's my show. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And they didn't agree. So he was like, all right, peace. But uh, I do agree. Chappelle's show was a really, it's one of the top sketch shows of all time. It's only two seasons, a lot of great sketches, but. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen the original uh, uh, Saturday Night Live? Have you ever gone back and watched like season one? I've seen some clips. Yes. Not a lot. It's painful. It is. Like, so yeah. where it is now, and like some of the classic seasons, I know people have their like, like you know, years when there are classic casts, when there are just it's just sketch after sketch is so good, and mm-hmm. you know there are some moments that you enjoy living over and over again. Be it you know more cowbell or, mm-hmm. or I thought Taylor was going to jump in with oh cowbell then. yeah, you know it's got to make an appearance. I didn't know you were going to leave me in there. Um, no, I, I completely agree. Gold-plated diapers. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think because they were, they were really, you could tell they were really trying to get their legs uh, there. And there is like, there is some, some of them are really good, but some it's like, there's a couple of ones that I actually 
talk about crazy. I, when I was, uh, I bought a vinyl record player and I was going and shopping and I found the, uh, I think it was like part of their first season of the Senate live cast. And they have some really good ones. I think one of my only ones that stood out was the word association where Steve Martin and uh, sorry, Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor, he's hiring from a job. He's like, let's do some yeah. word association. And then it gets a little edgy. Mm-hmm. And, but I thought it was just very, I mean, it's interesting how like that kind of the testament of time, some of those, but yeah, they were still kind of figuring their, themselves out. I think I got into my favorite seasons of SNL were definitely like when I grew up in the nineties, but I love the eighties. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. You had like Eddie Murphy there's... and oh. Yeah, there's even the Muppets. The the Muppets in the, I think season one had this weird section where it was like on some sort of alien planet and it goes on and on and on. And I think you watch it for about 11 minutes and there's literally not one laugh in this whole bit. <laughs> it is painful to watch. I recommend that anybody uh, go back and, and checks it out. And that Richard Pryor sketch you talk about. I mean, to listen to what's going on around us, uh, some parts of uh, the world are like, you know, there's like a dumpster fire going on in terms of uh, problems around the world. That Richard Pryor sketch stands up brilliantly. Yeah. And I think that is, that's another kind of th- interesting thing is wondering, like, I think especially, I'd, l- I'd love to have your take on this. And, and Chris, I think you can agree with me. There's a lot of comedy, particularly shows or stand-up comedians that maybe stand the test of time and some that don't. And I, one of the vinyls I listened to was Richard Pryor's stand-up. And his stuff is is just raunchy that the fact that that came out a different time compared to what it's now. And there's a lot of stuff, a lot of jokes that maybe were funny, like in the 90s or the 80s. And now you watch it, it's like, oof. Um, it's not, it's it, it's comedy. Some comedy ages well, some comedy doesn't. I think inter- interesting. What, what, are there any particular like UK, um, you know, comedy the aspects that you think don't hold up well anymore or yeah there there are some classic british examples that you cannot see anywhere on tv there's one called mind your language which i don't even know if you could go on youtube and get clips of this because it was just every stereotypical like pick any country around the world be it india or pakistan or um the netherlands or it was just every awful stereotype i mean you just could not see it no british network would air mind your language there's another one called the goodies which didn't stand the test of time um so i think yeah i think there's there are certain shows if you go on our we have these comedy gold networks they're called dave and gold and all this and they show the same shows over and over again of ones that have really stood the test of time and are sort of classic beloved comedies um the one i'm thinking of which you can probably watch any t- time of day or night you can probably find it somewhere in the uk it's called only fools and horses have you ever heard of that show yes uh you actually introduced this to me uh i think you gave oh. me uh all the all the episodes and i didn't get to watch all of it but i i thought that was really really entertaining and f- particularly for me because that was much before my time I was like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, but I thought it was like, just like Mighty Python watching those now. I think it was just, it was, I was surprised how funny I thought it was. Only Fools and Oz is a very, very funny show. It also did very well in Europe um, as well. I remember once I was at a party and I was wearing an Only Fools and Horses t-shirt and a guy from Lithuania uh, bought my t-shirt off me there and then for 25 bucks. <laughs> he was so excited that I had this Only Fools, this lovely jubbly t-shirt. Um, that's what you can see. And they tried, they were thinking about remaking it actually with Steve Carell in the Dell boy role. 
and it was going to be called something like the guys from Van Nuys or the boys of Van Nuys or something it was going to be called. And, uh, but yeah, it was some, Steve Carell had something to do with it, but it never got off the ground for whatever reason. I think British people sometimes get horrified when they hear that America is going to remake something. <laughs> it's quite often. Well, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, mm. It's clearly every interview I read uh, from every actor. Uh, I, I listen to the Office Ladies podcast a lot, which they go each week talking about an episode of the show, the American show is always everyone's always talking about how it was such a high pressure like don't screw this up don't you know the office is one of the best (laughs) shows of all time don't screw it up so you know glad they did okay Uh, clearly it it worked out but um do either of you know the in-betweeners have you seen that show i have not seen it but i've heard of it uh i have seen it you've seen it yeah i've seen it all in the movies so (laughs) so that's a british show that you you just need to know a couple of it's basically about teenage boys that just want to get girlfriends and they're sort of that 16 17 years old and they're you know they've they're very coarse and they've just got no class or whatsoever and they just want to get girls and they're all kind of losers you don't really need to know many words there's a couple of rude words you need to know and once you know those there are no british references that's why it's a show i love mm. to recommend yeah they tried to make remake it in the u.s and mm. uh, sadly it was a it that was not a success story no, it, was, it, wasn't. it lasted one TV season or something that we're trying it on or, uh, but yeah, that was another one. I was the, the, the beauty of working on cruise ships. You get introduced to a lot of different, uh, uh, cultural, uh, shows and stuff that you probably wouldn't have seen before, but yeah, in between is you're right. It is, it, it is very, I mean, there's a little bit of like the slang and stuff that you may not know. Um, but it's easy to pick up, but it is very, very universal themes of just you know these they, they mm-hmm. really ha- have no clue and they're just you know these teenage boys is trying to trying to get the ladies but they it's just one mishap after another and well i'll say a, a show that i uh, got to know off working on cruise ships that um i of course knew a lot of the main actors in the cast but had never seen the show heard about the show for a long time but i really got into the black adder series for a long time mm-hmm. uh before wow. series uh and i was actually just for uh, doing this podcast this whole last week i've been re-watching a lot of clips off of youtube and um just the the, the brilliance of rowan atkinson uh, i think what's something that maybe is a slight difference that i see of a maybe sometimes a uk to us program is the language and there's also how uh enunciate that they speak i mean something that rowan atkinson does so well in that show is whenever it's you know a joke is it's very well spoken and it's almost a little overspoken um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you have Hugh Laurie running around in a dress and I'm just, you know, cackling and, uh, Stephen Fry, who I, I went to a taping of, uh, uh, what's his name? Craig, uh, Robinson. What's his, that the Scottish guy, Craig Why Ferguson, Ferguson. There we Robin, go. Robin, 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 the Robinson's from the office. Ferguson's <laughs> the Scottish comedian. I went to it when he used to have his live, sh- uh, his late show. I went to a taping one time and Stephen Fry was the guest and it was just an wow. amazing hour of just him talking about philosophy and religion and uh, sexuality and it was it was not like a really funny uh taping but it was really yeah. cool to see him but seeing him in that stuff it was so Stephen Fry is one of the most intelligent man he's one of the people that most British people would say if you ever had a dinner party with your your list of guests and you want Mandela sitting there or Martin, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr a lot of people would want uh, uh Stephen Fry there he does a brilliant panel show, which you must be able to get on YouTube or somewhere. It's called QI. And it's basically about common misconceptions, you know, 
And uh, it is such a funny show. And, and uh, there's a different host now. I think a lady called Sandy Toxvik does it now, if it's still going. But uh, it's so funny. And that's Stephen, uh, Stephen Fry at his absolute best. And he was in a comedy writing partnership for years in the late 80s and early 90s with, um, with Hugh Laurie, who mm -hmm. became House. Yes. Became House, yeah. So he is also in Blackadder. The, one of the writers of Blackadder is a guy called Ben Elton, who was the one that wrote We Will Rock You, the musical. He actually mm. wrote the script for it. Not a massive fan of We Will Rock You, but I love Queen. Um, and he's written books like Popcorn and that sort of thing. And then the producer was Richard Curtis, who is, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually, Notting Hill, one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, yes. You know? Uh, so it's an <laughs> that's an amazing team that they had on there. And uh, it's lovely that you mentioned Blackadder because it is a brilliantly written and so funny show, full of sort of pathos. And the end of season four... Uh, in during World War One, the World is, yeah, is, is one of the greatest moments I think in television history. It's certainly in the UK, anyway. I'm gonna have to check it this is, out. Yeah. I think well, it's, it's, it's neat, Taylor, because yeah. each season is like a different time period. So okay. like one is more like a French Renaissance, and you know, so the last one is World War One. But um, it's it's like same four or five actors are in each season, and then yeah. there's a couple you know different, and they so it's it's kind of like a, a mini sketch series of uh four different seasons it's pretty funny but roman atkinson who you must know uh, yeah. as mr bean and Zazu, mr. Bean. we had to talk uh, about mr bean his most famous you know yeah mr bean well mr bean that's a you know going off roman atkinson for a bit mr bean feels like a character that was in both at the same time because we've had quite a bit of mr bean you know we had that i knew mr bean first from watching the mr bean movie yes his first big movie he came out with but he's had a few now um as well as I do enjoy his Johnny English movies. From oh, time to time. so great! As they're so, they're so him, uh, him in that church in that first movie, Johnny English, and they're playing the tape of him dancing to Mamma Mia, or uh, to, uh, to um, Abba. Does, does your mother know? Yeah. Does your mother know? Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps mouthing the words while I was laughing so hard. But um, um we're gonna take a quick break. Yeah. And when we come back, well, I think we'll discuss more about. I do want to get more about stand-up comedy, and maybe more of some stuff you like from our side of the pond. So we'll take a quick break. Hey, Eddie. We're so excited to learn how to master these British accents. Yeah, man. We really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. I'm so pleased there's Punch to be able to help you out with this. And as you know, I've been working on my own American dialects. How about New York? Oh, go on, baby Jesus. You want some coffee? Or we could go to California? Oh, my God. My friend Brittany, like, she's so Like, so or how about the Deep South? Hi, y'all. How's your mom and them? Wow, not bad at all. Wow, you definitely got them down. Thank you, I'm flattered. Hey, but now let's help you with yours. Now we're going to start with some simple phrases and words to help get you into the rhythm. How about Liverpool, Liverpudlian? We say fish and chips and a can of Coke, which would come out as fish and chips and a can of Coke. All right, now you try. Fish and chips and a can of Coke. Fish and chips and a can of Coke. Uh, oh, what was that? Uh, that was a proper British accent, wasn't it? Uh, I think that was perfect. You know, not a problem. Let's try again. Let's try a different one. This one, what about we go to the West Country around Bristol? You can say, all right, my lovers, how's about a go on your combine harvester? Which will come out as, all right, my lovers, how's about a go on your combine harvester? Now you try. All right, my lovers, 
How's about a go on your combine harvester? All right, my lovers. Uh, how about we go on your carbine harvester? Wait, what? Was that German? Eddie, what are you talking about? I did the same voice you did. That was exactly the same. Whew, man, this is tough. Just concentrate and focus. Let's try this one more time. So, how about Geordie Newcastle? It'll be Why I Man. Let's have a go on that roller coaster with Oompa Loompas. It'll sound like this. Why I man, let's have a go on that roller coaster with Oompa Loompas. Why I man, let's go on the roller coaster. What a man, let's have a go on the roller coaster with the Oompa Loompas. Hmm. All right, that's it. I'm out. No, Eddie, don't go. Please, we need you. I say, I wonder what he was so miffed about. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm absolutely knackered. Fancy a cuppa? That was a great break. That was perfect. And we're back. Wow. I enjoyed that. Stretched your legs, had a bit of a... I did some lunges. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to jump in here about... We were talking about stand-up comedy, and uh, one of my favorite stand-up comics that I got to see, actually, in my hometown a few years ago uh was eddie izzard uh had an absolute blast seeing him i was so surprised that he was coming to this small little town uh, in la county but um he's to me he's fascinating because i think again i was saying there's i think a big difference is this use of language and how uh i mean right off the bat yes there's english and there's american english and american english is often very uh dull it's not (laughs) as uh you know but there's also these words. I think that's one. Sometimes listening to an English comic, there's some words I just don't know because I don't know what it means. So sometimes it'll. I'm like, I don't really get what that joke was. But um, what's something that is there any American comics that you absolutely adore compared to maybe some of your favorite British comics or? Yeah, I. Lo- I mean, I really enjoy American uh, comedy, and and having been on ships and been around the world and spend time with Americans, I I can sort of translate a lot of jokes for people that don't understand mm-hmm. when they're not sure of the words uh, that don't don't quite, you know, if they don't know what a t- if you know British people don't know what a Twinkie is, or they you know they don't want to American people don't know what a boot is, you know, I'm there mm-hmm. to translate for people. Eddie Izzard is a brilliantly intelligent man. He actually did his stand up show in French. He That's what I've heard. Show. Yeah, the entire one he, is French. Yeah, he does this whole bit about um, the cat is under the table and the the monkey is in the tree and that le cat le chat est sur la table and he does this whole bit in English and, and then he does it in French. Very very funny comedian. He's been around, my goodness, over thirty years. Mm. I think the thing with American comedians is that you have such a rich history in the New York comedy clubs and of course in Chicago in something like Second City where a lot of the you know the amazing people like. I guess Belushi and John Candy and uh, um, Colbert and Far- Farley oh. and so many, so many people have had a great tradition and, and, and inspiring each other, aspiring generations of comedians. And of course, you know, something like Saturday Night Live or even, you know, Johnny Carson or Jimmy Fallon or, you know, these shows, when they have these stand up comics, it can give you the, the break that that's it for the rest of their lives. They're like, you know, they're not set, I would say. They've got to keep coming up with fresh material. But, um, you know, it's such a big break to be on a show like Carson for, for mm-hmm. people, isn't it? Don't you think? Oh, and, I mean, yeah. always hearing about comics say the big thing was, you know, you, you get, oh, I, I'm, on, I'm on the Tonight Show. I, I get five minutes to go up and do my stand-up. 
And then it would be getting that little head nod to come to the couch. That was always like, oh, I did a good set. And that's kind of continued with some of the traditions of, of all the um, late night hosts today. I think it's still kind of similar, but uh, it, it is, it's cool to hear. Uh, I like listening to Conan's podcast and he talks about Carson a lot because of course, huge inspiration, got to meet him. And hearing about comics i would say like yeah it was such a thrill to get a set on a show like that because that means you're going to be on national tv to millions of people and if you got that head nod it means you did a good job and that mm -hmm. was always like a all right i'm in the club you know and that yeah. could be a, a launching point yeah very 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 true it's interesting the the career trajectory of a lot of the great comics and how some of them you know stayed in comedy or like went to do tv and movies and then some that you know, like you got to think of, look at some of, um, I guess, off the bat, some of the great U um, U.S. ones, um, Jerry Seinfeld, who, you know, started in stand up and then, you know, got a show based on his comedy and then still was doing stand up. And, you know, some of the, we're talking about Richard Pryor and, um, you know, George Carlin and there's just so much, there's such a rich history. But what I was, was thinking about before the break, we're talking about stand up comedy was, or in general, I think there's not saying that looking at both sides of comedy i noticed and maybe i'm off here but i feel like there is a lot a majority not all but a majority of uk comedy is very intelligent very smart and there is a lot of a lot of thought into the jokes that they are very clever where not all american comedy but you know a good portion of it um is maybe a little bit more going for more of the um the easy joke or like, you know, something obvious or something more where I think UK, there's very smart, particularly a lot of the comedians. Like I, I have to mention, I'm a big fan. Like I think, I don't know who got me into it, but it was uh, uh, Michael McIntyre. Uh, mm -hmm. He is, and he's got a Netflix um, special coming up, which I'm very excited oh. about. Um, he, and it just show, goes to show like whether you're UK or American or any comedian, you can go, you know, a full hour without having to swear or vulgarity. But his mm -hmm. humor is just so perfect, and his, and he's his voice is so whimsical that it's it's enjoyable. But I think it's I mean, what, what do you think about that, you guys? I, I think that there is there's some. Level well, a recent comic I got into because it happened to be I, I do watch either on Netflix or especially on YouTube. You start going down a rabbit hole of you watch one comic and then yeah, you get you know suggested. I at some point uh, a video of Alan Carr popped up on a YouTube video and I was like, let's check out who this guy is. And I've been obsessed ever since. I mean, he's really funny. He's a British comic. He to me is someone though. I think he rides that thin line between, I think it is very intelligent, but he also goes for that kind of raunchy humor sometimes because of his kind of style of what his standup is like. Also, um, uh, who's the guy I'm forgetting his name. He always laughs like this. Oh, 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 oh. oh that's uh, Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. So I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, I think they both last name is Carr. Another one who, it's very intelligent, but it's wordplay. That's his. That's what his joke style is. That he does. It's all like you know wordplay or uh, 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 trying to think of the phrase it would be. But another funny comic that I think has some great specials. But it, there is that kind of yeah blend of intelligence where. I think sometimes American comics, it, it is, some are very smart, um, but some it's going for more of that working class kind of uh, everyday situation, I guess, and mm -hmm. more what you can relate to, I guess. I think what I was, I was just going through the Rolodex of great American comics, and there are so many good ones. You could just list off 
everyone's that people do find funny. I mean, I think the first big American I saw was Eddie Murphy was Raw. Mm -hmm. And then oh, yeah. after that, the probably the next comedian I saw that I really enjoyed was Stephen Wright. It was so funny. Yes. Completely different in terms of their... their Very different styles, yeah. So, so funny. I think those are the, probably the first two that I, I really remember sticking out. If you want to be upset and you want to really be offended, the, num the British name I would give you is a guy called Frankie Boyle. Frankie Boyle <laughs> is on mainstream TV, but my goodness, he can upset you with his humor. So you could look up that guy. Um, that's, like, uh, that's like our uh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget forever has been known as this, you know, American TV sitcom dad on Full House, and mm -hmm. yet his stand-up is so dirty and so filthy dirty. in real life. So dirty. It's like it's it's <laughs> funny to hear him talk. But I mean, hey, it made him good money. So of course he was going to play that TV dad and then do what his actual true passion is on the right. side. So yeah, he's got the TV dad as his four hundred one k, and then for the rest of it, he does for fun. I wanted to ask. Um, the only one I can think of top of my head that I I do watch from time to time because I think he's quite funny is Graham Norton, but is there as many late night type show like hosts in the UK as we kind of have like, we have quite a few in the States, but yeah. you, you have too many. so many, you know, with Jimmy Fallon and Conan and mm -hmm. James Gordon and so many, and because you have, and America has so many stars, you've got so many networks and so many fields, be it sportsmen or people in public life or reality TV shows, you can fill them. In Britain, we just don't have enough famous, interesting people. And of course you don't have enough people coming over from the US to publicize things as much and they'll come through and they want to control everything. So we pretty much only have two that I can think of. And that's Graham Norton is one. And that's very funny. There are, there are countless. One of the things I like to do when I'm not on vacation is when I'm on vacation is go to YouTube and look at Graham Norton clips. Cause there's countless funny clips. Oh, I think that's the best so one. funny. Well, the I also love, I love great. brand of mixing different celebrities from different. And, you know, yeah. everyone's, everyone's got a drink and you got people that would never be on the same couch in, in mm -hmm. any, any other setting. Right. And he is, and He's just so all over the place. I just love it. On the other side, there's a TV show. I think a guy called jo uh, Jonathan Ross, who has also been around for well over. Mm -hmm. That name sounds okay. familiar. And Jonathan Ross has the other show, which is basically where, where all the stars sit on the couch, and they have that sort of late night feel. That neither of them are particularly late night, but those are pretty much the only two in Britain that we have. We just don't have enough people. It's you know, that's the thing about America. It's just so big with the film industry and the TV industry, and you know, it's just it's just immense. Mm -hmm. Very true. Is there any, uh, I guess going back to like sitcom land, mm. is there any Ameri uh, older American sitcoms that you have come to love and enjoy? Like I'm talking about like 90s, 80s, anything like that. The one that I love that doesn't need to be remade by British people because it feels half British. It's a spinoff from Cheers, which is Frasier. I just rewatched the, uh, well, not, I can't say rewatched, first time watched all uh, 11 seasons this summer. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, I, I understand that. It is very witty, very uh, intelligent. It's very lots funny. of great intelligent humor. I love that show. And uh, there's great writing. I think uh, both Frasier and Niles and, and the dad and Daphne, they're all so great in the, in the, and Roz as well. They all, they build a wonderful little world. And it's almost written, I always think of it, it's like theater because normally there's some weird thing where somebody comes in and, they don't know that the person is, uh, you know, homosexual instead mm -hmm. of heterosexual. And they think that he fancies Fraser and Niles is in on the joke. And Daphne thinks that he fancies her. And then there's this coming in and out of the kitchen and they might mm -hmm. say something that's a double entendre. And it's set up like a theatrical farce, which is, you know, what most British theater farces are is those whoops there, vicar 
sort of thing. So each episode of Frasier is like that. And there's, there's one, I think, called Radio Ham, I think, which is just a brilliant episode where Niles performs a radio play with Frasier on the radio station. <laughs> yes. And it's one of the funniest, funniest half hours that you'll ever see. I mean, it's uh, just a wonderful show. I need, it is, I need, it is. I need I to really watch is. that. I, I, I haven't watched it. Hulu, for those uh, listening who want to get into it, it's, yeah, it's one of the best sitcoms. It's just very funny. And it's, again, a, a show that was a long-running show, but surprisingly did not, uh, didn't really hit a point for me where I was feeling that kind of like, I'm over this. It, yeah. it mm-hmm. held through for all 11 seasons. Um, and what an amazing run. I mean, Kelsey Grammer played, it was like 11 seasons on Cheers. So it's like, 22, 22 years of playing the same character is yeah. like, like yeah. whoa. Uh, it's what, what, one of the more modern ones I like is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I like Andy oh, Samberg. He's so funny in that. I know <laughs> not everybody likes that, but I quite like that one. Um, there's also an Australian guy. Do you guys ever get to see any comedy from around the world, like Australia? Do you know Chris Lilly? Yes. Oh, uh, yes. So, I love... Uh, <laughs> Summer, Summer Heights College. Summer, Summer Heights High. Summer. Me in college... That was a big show that uh, I think because it has a lot to do with um, obviously Mr. G and doing the theater side. So mm-hmm. as you know, I was in college for theater. That was something that a lot of us related to. And then getting to know uh, Angry Boys is another mm-hmm. one I really love. But he's I think that that's another comic that he knows exactly what his style is, what his brand is. And mm-hmm. he is like. Uh, he's really t- he's willing to go to that bold place for a joke, which I think is something that because we can we can kind of seem to be keep going in this direction of like we have to be PC and you have to be careful what you say. It's like he's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my comedy, and it's some of the I I Mr. G is my one of my all time favorite characters from a show. Anything? Can you quote Mr. G? Do you know any of the Mr. G songs? I'm trying to think of them. They were just so good and they were all escaping me now. <laughs> Some of the stuff there. Come Mr. G's room, G's room, G's room. I, I just remember like, Mr. G's room. Celine, she has an oversized brain, so you have to hold up the side <laughs> when to hold them. Don't touch. <laughs> She's got a bad habit, bad habit for drugs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so funny. Just, just, just thinking as an actor here in the, you know, I wanted to know where I could go, where I could, Te- you know, I could do acting, singing, and dancing, and that's to teach drama. Um, it's just, yeah, it's so funny. And I, I think he has a new, or maybe he already had a new Netflix show coming out. I thought he was doing a deal with Netflix. I don't know. If I he thought he was talking he about doing yeah. a thing hole with Mr. G. That was the talk about. I mean, I've I've always thought it would be a really funny concept is Mr. G decides I'm done teaching. I'm going back to New York to try to get on Broadway. Yeah, and and just all the mishaps of that would have been really funny. Uh, who knows, maybe in the future, but, um, yeah, is there, I mean, that's also a big trend happening now is we're getting these old shows that have already been they're They're done, you know, closed shop. And now we're getting like a reunion show, or, I mean, we talked about kind of some of these casts for COVID are doing a benefit thing, but we've actually seen a resurgence of like, no, we're doing a full on like remount of this show. And I've actually heard that Frasier is one that actually is being talked about coming back in some shape or form. Are there any shows, does the UK ever do anything like that in terms of like, it's been 20 years. Let's see if we can get the cast back together to do a, a reunion show or something like that. Yeah, there's the biggest one is the James Corden one. So James Corden um, 
became famous, I think, in Britain. I think the show was, I try and, I'm not sure of his biography exactly, but I think it was a show called Fat Friends where he was on a show. And that's where he met um, Ruth, uh, <laughs> who he went on to write a show eventually. And I think he was in something like Jersey Boys or something like that, or the something boys. I forget what it was. He was in something. And he went and wrote this show with, um, uh, him and Ruth wrote this show called Gavin and Stacy. Yes. And that's mm -hmm. where a boy from sort of Essex, and Essex is quite a distinctive accent though. Do you know what I mean though? Do you want to rent a BMW off me though? Do you know what I mean though? Does it look <laughs> like I'm bothered though? Uh, sort of an Essex and then falls in love with somebody from Wales and Wales is, you know, there's sort of a quite parochial part of uh, Wales called Barry, uh, Barry Island. Thing. There's something wrong with this yogurt. It's not yogurt, it's mayonnaise. All right, there we are then. I'm for a video <laughs> fest tonight. I've got some absolute classics. And uh, see those two quotes over there? Mine's the middle one. And uh, uh, so, <laughs> so they fall in love with each other and it's this story of Essex and Wales and how the two families come together and Rob Brydon is in it, who's a very talented man as well, who does a show called um, something like Liar Liar or something it's called in the UK. And, uh, or Would I Lie to You, I think it's called, which is a good mm. panel show. We love a good panel show in Britain because it's so cheap to do, right? You just need two captains, you need a host, you need four guests every week, and it costs very, very little to make. We love a good panel show in Britain. Uh, but Gavin and Stacey is one where it's full of references. I'd love to recommend it to people, but unless, like, I've watched it with friends of mine, and you have to stop every 14 seconds to go, well, no, John Prescott was the deputy prime minister. He punched somebody in the face, and that's what that reference is. Or 20 seconds later, mm. it's like, well, he's talking about Dodie Fayed, and Dodie Fayed went out with Princess Diana and that sort of thing. And you have to stop it constantly. But it's a very, very, very funny show. They just rebooted that, and that they had, a, I think, a Christmas special last year and they're talking about continuing with that reboot and then another one is a guy called um well his, his name is alan partridge oh yes comes, yes coogan. Yeah. Steve so coogan, steve yeah. coogan alan part he keeps coming back to the alan partridge character year after year after year because that has been his most fertile hunting ground in terms of tv although he really wants to be a famous movie star which i mean i <laughs> he's he he's a funny one that always has kind of been more of like He's a good supporting player, a lot of mm -hmm. films, but uh, understandably. Although I did really like um, his work in. It's not the Abbott and Costello. What's the the other the other duo? Oh, Laura Lynn Hardy. Lauren, his work in that with John C. Riley was I, it was a great film. I really was like that was spot on. Um, but yeah, we. I mean, most most recently, right now, uh, Will and Grace is probably the best example of the the biggest reboot in our. Uh, sitcom world right now but there's quite a few that have been, had these inklings of will there be a reboot will there be a remount of some sort and mm -hmm. it, it kind of gets to that point of are we just running out of new ideas because <laughs> we need to go back to our hits or uh which like one i i really loved how it was handled was for many many years now uh seinfeld's been approached like are we gonna have a seinfeld reunion and it's always been no because we had the show it was good we don't need to do anymore but they did like a somewhat reunion on Kirby Enthusiasm, which I love mm -hmm. that show. So like they handled it through that show, although it's kind of a fictitious, you know, not real life setting. So yeah. that was kind of fun. But um, no, a very good point. Uh, I prefer I prefer it's it's the same with Frasier. I prefer Frasier over Cheers, and I prefer Curb Your Enthusiasm over Seinfeld. It's a weird one. I don't know. I, that's that could be sacrilegious to people who are fans of comedy in America. I'm not sure. Well, well, I like, think I love Seinfeld. Yeah, there's a different Seinfeld sophistication. Fan. 
And Seinfeld to me is, uh, it's, it's, it is brilliant comedy. It's a lot of physical comedy. It's the four of them, you know, they're kind of really just in their own little bubble. They don't really care about the rest of the world, but it, it still is on TV. So it had to be kind of PG ish, if you will. Whereas Curb is like a very similar concept, but it's rated R. So it's like, no, we're going to have cursing. We're going to have all this kind of stuff. And I think it just, it's more of an adult version of what the Seinfeld formula is. And I've actually never seen Cheers. Uh, that was actually a goal of, I was like, well, I'm going to see Frasier. I'll watch Frasier because one of my best friends, it's her favorite show. So I was like, I'm going to watch it. And now I need to go back and actually watch Cheers, which is, you know, I another think iconic ensemble. Uh, we can watch it together. We, yeah, yeah. we could uh, stream that. Cheers oh, used to be on UK TV a lot. And there's another show I remember seems to be on a lot at the round about the same time was um, Taxi with, mm -hmm. you know, Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito. Yeah. and Andy Kaufman as well, of course. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, I don't remember laughing a lot except at Andy Kaufman at this weird Latka character. Um, because I was, I mean, I was too young. I was uh, a bit too young to get all the humor off it. But um I remember one of your podcasts, you did all about Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I'm not saying I cried a lot, but I was very sad for a good couple of weeks after that, that you didn't mention Man in the Moon, which was played by Jim so, Carrey. So funny enough, you're not the first person to say that yeah. to us. And the reason why neither of us had it on our list is because neither of us have seen the movie. No. However, I have seen the documentary on Netflix yeah. of Jim and Andy, which is a really is an interesting one to watch because I think for some people out there, they think Jim Carrey is this kind of uh, buffoon character actor, but he really went full method in that to become Andy Kaufman, which was this very interesting, uh, you know, unique kind of style comic. So uh, it's on our list. So I think we have a couple uh, on the list. We decided today we need to do that because I think, yeah, that, yeah. but that's the, yeah. yeah. You have not the first to the comments. You're so. not the first to. Uh, we can only to talk about what we know. For, we I don't know. I feel, I feel like I'm opening old wounds now, and I'm just. I know. You know. <laughs> well, it was like we always laugh whenever we every. It's almost every week we come up with a topic, and then we start talking. At some point, either one of us will be like, "I've actually never seen that movie, or I've never seen that." And it's like shame. I know it's kind of awkward. Most recently, I I'm, I've never seen any of the Rocky films, so Taylor was like shame. Yeah. Um. So I'll get on to that, but anyway, uh. This has been a lot of fun. I before think before you should, go, before you go though, we have our guest questions for you. So, as uh, you know, Eddie, you've been a long time uh, fan, first time caller. Uh, we do this <laughs> thing where we have a rapid fire round of questions where we get to, oops, excuse me, grab my questions. We get to ask the uh, guest some rapid fire questions just for fun. Uh, yes. So, you know, you have not, you have not, hopefully not planned for these questions and we did not rehearse them with you. So, this should be interesting. I will do off. it uh, uh, yeah. if I can ask you guys a question, a trivia question, because I love trivia. Oh, okay. So I've true. got a trivia question for you. So you go first, and then perhaps I can ask you mine at the end. Yeah, okay. sounds good. <laughs> I like it. All if right. you don't like it, you can just edit it out. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. Will we kick it off, Chris? Yeah, you start. All right. All right. Eddie, number one, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time is probably, embarrassingly enough to say, it's probably Notting Hill. It just brings joy to my heart, yeah. and I can't apologize for it anymore. Don't, I'm tired it, of apologizing. Don't apologize. Movie. It's a great film. I really yeah. enjoyed it as well, and I, I love I love a good rom uh, romantic yeah, a rom com. Yeah. It's one of the last great ones, really. Mm. I can agree. Uh, number two, what is your favorite TV series? 
TV series, it's a, it depends on the day. Honestly, there are times in my life when I'm sad and the only thing that will cheer me up is Impractical Jokers. Mm. <laughs> Which they remade in Britain and it was in a disaster. I prefer the American version, hands down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, what would be your favorite video game or video game series? Um, I'm playing one now because I'm, I'm not a smart man, which is why I became a cruise director. Um, <laughs> Thank I'm you. One, Mixed company I'm, here. <laughs> right? <laughs> Staring directly into your eyes. No, uh, I'm playing one at the moment called Woody, and that's as much, much as I can cope with during these uh, troubled times. I play Woody on my phone, and that's all I do when I'm sitting on the subway here in New York. There you go. Uh, number four, what is your favorite style of music or a favorite band? Um, music, it's got to be probably Freddie Mercury and Queen. Oh, legends. Love go. a bit of Queen. Oh, this is a great question because obviously you travel quite a bit. What is your favorite, most favorite place that you've traveled to? Favorite destination? I would, I would say, um, if I can't say traveling back home because Wales is an awesome country, hashtag Wales, um, I would say probably Mexico. I love Mexico. Okay. Puerto yeah. Vallarta on the west side and on the love eastern it. side, Cozumel. Cozumel. So I'm sure you've been there. Mm hmm. Just a wonderful place to hang out and eat guacamole and drink oh, uh, sure. inexpensive beverages. Uh, number six, what's, what inspires you or what's something that's inspired you to where you are today? Um, the weird thing about my life, to become a cruise director, I think everything I've ever done has sort of led me up to that. I've learned in all the weird things that I've done. I went to um, college in Nottingham in, in England, but I also went to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, which for those of you who don't know, is known as the Harvard of the West. And um, there are things that I learned there and way to relate to people that I learned. And then I went on to radio and I was very mediocre at that. Um, then I did a tiny little bit of TV as well. I was even more mediocre at that. Um, I spent time living in New Zealand and Australia. And I think that, um, that they've all sort of given me little bits of advice and encouragement and people that I've worked with. And now most of my inspiration because i haven't seen a human being for six months it all comes from um sad dog videos on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> Dying my wife my wife <laughs> thank you to all those creating those videos for yeah. today <laughs> uh what is the best advice that you've ever received or maybe the best advice you could give um on the bridge of a ship don't press that big red button <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, number eight. What is so obviously this podcast, we kind of claim to be a nerd podcast. So what is your nerd level on scale of one to 10? One being you've heard of Star Wars, 10 being you speak Wookiee. Uh, this, I was dreading this question. It's honestly, it's a 2.6. It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I would, I love listening to people talk about interesting nerdy type topics. I'm a supporter of your podcast. I really enjoy listening to it, but sometimes I get confused. You know, I'm trying to tell the story of a, a really good scene in, in Star Wars where, you know, Gandalf has had a big row with Hagrid and uh, he's upset because of the blueprints for the Death Star. And then oh gosh, all of a sudden somebody gets really upset about the whole thing and they, they go and I don't know. I just I'm two point six. I think I'll be even kind to myself there. Yeah, that was... well, that, that's fair though. Two point six is good. Uh, uh, and number nine, 
Eddie, what is your guilty pleasure? What is a guilty pleasure of yours? Um, chicken wings. Mm. I really want to be a vegetarian, but I can't because chicken wings. Yeah, enough said. Chicken wings. And then finally, number 10 here, obviously on this podcast, we like to do impressions. So we want to hear from you a, your best impression. The problem is, is that I only have uh, two impressions and they're both British people that you've never heard of. Well, give it to us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Or if you want me to sing, I can do my Bob Dylan for you. Oh, let's hear some Bob Dylan. Yeah. Okay. So what's your favorite song by, I don't know. What's your favorite song by Katy Perry? I mean, I call her Kathy. We're friends, but you can probably call her Katy. What's your favorite song by Katy Perry? Uh, uh, California Girls for me. There we go. Let's do California. Okay. So, so Bob Dylan doing Katy Perry. <laughs> Here we go, folks. This <laughs> I, is great. California girls are really bikinis on top. That was great. I can't wait to hear his tour. He's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, what's what's uh, what's your trivia question for us? Yes. Okay. Um, go. I've got this written down. So, what do you think in terms of comedy? What show holds the sitcom record? For the most watched 30-minute bit of sitcom TV, it's which American show in America holds the record, and I'm going to buy you a pint of beverage of your choice up to the value of $8, including tax and gratuity, if you get the right answer. Which show has the sitcom record in terms of the highest percentage of population watching it live in the United States of America, thirty minutes. Oh, live. Okay. Thirty minutes show. No, l- watching it live. No, as like, in not, it, it, not like not highest grade Netflix, not TV, like, not, not videotape, not Betamax, etc. I feel like it's something we've probably talked about before. I can give you a clue. It's nothing we've talked about today. Okay. Oh. That's the clue. So you've only got every other sitcom. Yeah, exactly. Ever. On the planet. <laughs> I mean, my guess. I'm not. What would you guess, Chris? Are we both? Do we both get? We both get our guess. We get one we guess. Get so yeah, one guess. You, so, you, gonna, guess, you guess. I'm going to give you one more clue. I'm going to okay. give you one more clue. Right, and the enough. fact that I think the show was mostly, if not in, it certainly started in black and white. I'll tell you that. It started mm-hmm. in black and white. I'm pretty sure. If it didn't end in black and white, it started in black and white. Oh wow, that is a toughie. Thirty minute most watched. The show was called the, the the episode was called the Giant Jack Rabbit. Hmm, this is a toughie. I'm trying yeah, to think of I'm shows that this, I'm going to look really silly. I'm, I'm thinking of shows that started in black and white and then would have gone to color, uh, which then makes me think of you know, a couple decades back. I don't remember ever. I mean, I can't remember going to color, but I'm just gonna just because you said black and white. I'm just gonna think, I love Lucy. That is a great guess. That is a great guess. Taylor, what are you saying? Uh, I'm going to go with... Hmm. While you're thinking about it, by the way, I watched the funniest episode of I Love Lucy. This is not me saying, I looked it up on the internet. Mm -hmm. What is the funniest episode of I Love Lucy? And it's not when they're in an original apartment. It's when they move into a house in the suburbs, I guess. And they're they're smuggling eggs. And it is a very, very funny episode. I forget (laughs) what it's called, but if you look at it on the internet... I love Lucy, best episode ever. It was voted by the fans, and it's a hysterical episode. 
Okay, Taylor, I'm gonna. All right. I don't know. I would say mash. To eat. What? Mash. Mash. Yeah. I don't think mash started in black and white, my friend. I wasn't. That's why I said I'm not sure, but I, I couldn't well, think of anything what's, else. What's the answer? No, the answer is the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh. Wow. Interesting. I guess it is that then like for inflation, I assume. I think it was, as I said in the question, I think it's a percentage of the viewing audience. Maybe at that um, time. Um, yeah, oh, it's, uh, it holds the record. I, you can look it up. I just, uh, I love trivia and it came up on a trivia quiz that I was doing. That's a good, that's a good one. That was a, that was a toughie. That was, was think tough. of all the comedy and all the, pe the time that people have spent writing great jokes and great shows and all that sort of stuff. And yet what beats them all is Jed Clampett. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Uh, yeah. Oh. oh. Well, uh, thanks so much, Eddie, for being on today. Do you want uh, anything you want to uh, promote, or do you have a you want to promote any social media or anything? Or, um, I mean, you can. I've got over seven followers on Instagram now. It's just my name backwards at Jenkins Eddie. So you could become. I could hit double figures. You could be the tenth follower of mine on Instagram web. <laughs> that could be you guys. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, but you do you want to talk about your uh, ongoing uh, trivia that you've been doing, or? No. no. <laughs> Fair enough. Nope, I'm good. Well, well Eddie, thanks so much, Eddie. Uh, this has been a blast. Um, and we hope you, yeah, stay, stay safe. I've there. been a big fan of Taylor for many, many years, and I've really enjoyed what you two guys have been doing. So thank you very much. Thank you. I hope. I hope I hope I didn't ruin it, and I won't be offended if you never put this out. Can you imagine? No, <laughs> it's like, hey, Eddie, we'll see you next week. Twelve <laughs> years from now, the lost yeah. tapes of the potential. Yeah, the podcast. lost Eddie Jenkins tapes. No, this is great. I appreciate it. It's I've been a huge fan, and you uh, and to be honest, Eddie inspired me, helping me with one of my first uh, attempts at stand up. So uh, I appreciate you, Eddie, and uh, yeah, please be safe and uh, have a good time as best you can with New York and uh, enjoy all your... Hopefully you'll get back to the high seas soon enough as we all hope to get back to doing what we like to do. So, but yeah, thanks so much. This has been a blast. Thank you, guys. Wow. Well, I will just say that uh, he's really, really funny. <laughs> well, no, that's why I said I, I, anytime you talk to him, it doesn't matter the subject. It's always a good laugh. So I, I'm glad you enjoyed virtually meeting him. Uh, what I'm still I'm still dying over all that stuff and, and he's just a fun time he, with he's him. so quick and I think it's all those years. I think the way he really described he kind of did a little bit of radio, he did a little bit of this, and then he got into you know cruise life. And I think he has a way he's good at being like a speaker. He really knows how to talk. Yes. And but really quick on his on his feet, and he he's really funny. He really he knows these little jokes and moments and something I think I really appreciate is us as Americans. We of course know so many sitcoms and comic movies and comedians that are American based, but it's, it's, you know, we know of some of the more popular ones from the UK, but his knowledge of course, of growing up in Wales and yeah. knowing all those shows, there's so many shows that we maybe never even heard of because they're not normal or they're not regular to us because we're exactly. not programmed over here. Yeah, he's got a bit of more of, or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got a definitely a different and a different perspective too. And I think that's what, you know, we kind of talked about and it touched upon that comedy is it's very diverse and there's there's different aspects of it that 
we all can learn from and all appreciate it. And even though we, we come from different backgrounds and some of the jokes may we not get the references, the ideas mm-hmm. are very similar and the same. And I, I just really like that he still has a very fresh perspective of comedy from being, as you said, he's so many years and of course, you know, growing up in, in Wales and, and then traveling because now he's gotten to like us meeting all people's, people's of walk and different walks of life. I can't speak here. Sorry. I'm all choked up. Uh, so I think that really kind of helps translate into his everyday comedy. And I think also the fact that, you know, like you said, he is very quick with it, but he's got that amazing voice and he knows he's very intelligent. So it comes from a lot of different elements. So I, I look forward to seeing, you know, more what he's going to do. And, and, and also, like I said, looking forward to the future of comedy from both sides of the pond. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's right now we're still seeing a big boom of young talent, young up and comers with new hit shows and new ideas of comedy. And um, I think it's going to be neat to see more voices, more of breaking away from the kind of typical standard of as much as I love Seinfeld, uh, getting away from the, you know, what is the deal with this and getting more into really taking deep dives of, uh, of even like government, religion, family, arts, I think it's food, culture, everything. And finding those universal themes. Cause I think that's something that you, uh, you Eddie and I really relate to is when you travel around the world and you get to meet people from around around the world, you really do find that we're all very similar. There's there's the universal cultural themes, but comedy is a universal thing that I think everyone gets, even if the language barrier might be a little different or some vocab might be different. I think we all, we all kind of get those jokes and it's something that I think people will, still cling to because we love to laugh that's one of the you know best things of life so i mean i'm not trying to be funny i've been i've been i've been a serious person for a while i don't know what you're trying to say like <laughs> yeah you never just bust out into impressions of christopher walken or anybody no any that's given not time. me at all i don't know um, <laughs> this man you speak of if you say if you say <laughs> if you say joe and jane again or whatever i will i will lose it because every time <laughs> you say that i crack up because you're the only person i've ever heard say say something like that so yeah <laughs> But anyway, thank you so much today. This was actually a lot a lot of fun. It was such a blast. But as I did mention before the uh, interview with Eddie, we're coming up to almost the end of September. So we're really excited to start getting into a little more of the Halloween season for the next couple episodes. A little so, spooky, a little creepy, and a little bit eerie. Stay tuned. Dun, dun, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Thank you for listening to The Potential Podcast. Next week, we might find a title. Or a girlfriend, or a wife, or maybe pants that fit, or maybe uh-huh. a deodorant. Oh, sorry. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.